agreement isn't interesting, disagreement is, so the press tends to play up our 5-4 or our 5-3 decision. The Supreme Court had a 5-4 decision today upholding the president's controversial travel ban. There's only one prediction that's entirely safe about the upcoming term, and that is it will be momentous. Chief Justice John Roberts has put himself at the center of two politically charged Supreme Court cases tonight. I'm Jason Dick, and this is Political Theater. The Supreme Court starts its new term on Monday, right in the middle of the 2020 presidential race. Despite their desire to be seen as apolitical, the justices are a big political topic. So regardless of the cases the court will hear, several of which are pretty controversial, the court itself is an issue. CQ Roll Call legal affairs writer Todd Ruger is going to take a closer look at the new term and its politics with us. Todd, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks, Jason. Good to be here. A lot of the, the cases that the Supreme Court can take on can be, you know, down to the, like a very granular level. They don't get a lot of attention, but there are always cases that sort of rise above, and we've got several very contentious topics that, that are going to be on this year's docket. Let's talk about some of those. Okay, so the, the, I think the first one that's going to happen is going to be on Tuesday, so the, the second day of the term, and that is uh, looking at LGBT rights. This is a, a specifically a case about whether gay, lesbian, transgender workers are, are protected federally under a Civil Rights Act of 1964 from discrimination at the workplace. Uh, and it's, and it's a, not only does it have like sweeping social implications for all, you know, LGBT rights. People have been fighting for this for decades. It, Congress has been trying to pass bills for decades and gotten nowhere. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it, 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 the first time that the Supreme Court is going to be hearing a major LGBT rights case without Justice Anthony M. Kennedy, who retired two terms ago. Uh, he last term, uh, Justice Brett M. Kavanaugh was confirmed to take his place. And so it's a new court and it, it's going to be very revealing about the future of, of LGBT rights. And I think that that uh, case sort of exemplifies exactly what many people, many close observers of the court think, which is when Kavanaugh replaced Kennedy, uh, who was court, his mentor? Right? I mean, they're very, they're very close. I mean, right. Kavanaugh clerked for Kennedy. They are close. Kennedy really wanted Kavanaugh on the court. I mean, like, so how different are the, are the two of them? Well, uh, the, you know, they're, the, the, they're very similar from their approach to the law, but there's key differences. Uh, Democrats liked Anthony Kennedy when he sided with them uh, or their, on their issues, which was, uh, you know, he, he, he wrote all the opinions that ushered in a new era of LGBT rights, you know, culminating in the same-sex marriage decision in 2015. And he was also um, on abortion, was in the middle, and had, had, had not voted to strike down Roe v. Wade and, and, uh, in, in a case called Casey. Um, and, and so they see with Kavanaugh the danger that the court is going to not, there's not going to be a swing vote that sometimes goes with the liberal wing of the court anymore. Kavanaugh is not going to be that. So the court has moved rightward. And the big question is just how fast and how far will the court move to the right? And the LGBT case is an example because this is one where Kennedy was clearly the most pivotal vote. And now you, you have a question about Chief Justice John Roberts is seen as the one who is kind of in the middle and maybe looking to, to, to shape the court's political view, the view of the court as a political institution in the future. 
And and as you know, you said before, like the the Congress has been bedeviled by these like these topics. I mean, they have not been able to resolve that. We're going to talk about another case uh, about Second Amendment gun rights in, in a second. But I mean, is if Congress hasn't been able to figure this out, and also the court is has been sort of loath to say we're not a super legislature, we're not here to litigate, you know, or we're not here to decide things that should be decided in Congress. Isn't that a real fine line that they have to to navigate there? I mean, this is exactly what John Roberts doesn't want to get into, it sounds like. Right. And in this particular case, the LGBT rights, it's divided, ideologically divided lower court judges who have heard these cases as they've kind of bubbled up because um, on one hand, you can look at the text and say, well, it says on the basis of sex. So, yeah, okay, it extends to these individuals. But on the other hand, you say, well, who they would say, who are we as judges to say that, that, that to, to move from so far from what night, the original intent might have been in 1964 till today? And um, the Trump administration is arguing, look, uh, this, is for, this is better left for the political branches. The legislature is the one that passes laws. Um, and, and so you can also see the conservatives on the court coming around to that argument and saying, we don't, we're not going to implement a policy nationwide if Congress hasn't been able to implement this policy nationwide. So that's a good pivot point to the Second Amendment issue, like which is, was an issue that was, I mean, it bubbled up from a statute that New York had passed on, on regulating guns. And then New York you know, basically went back and said, like, nope, we're not going to have this. They And they repealed the law and making it, you know, sort of moot. But the court took it up. So, like, let's talk about this this topic, because the, the, the court, you know, they they have a choice about what they can take or what they don't want to take and so forth. What is it that made them want to take this this case? Give me a little bit more context because I didn't want to gloss over it too much. But like, let's let's talk about this case and why they picked up why they chose the, to take up this case. Right. I mean, and it, it is a, actually a, f- a fascinating glimpse inside um, how the Supreme Court does its business uh, outside of being political. Even when everybody else thinks they're political, there might not be a, reason, a political reason why they're doing what they're doing. Um, this case is, it's a, it's a New York City law, and it was about where, where and when you can carry your handgun. And the Supreme Court, um, it's been 10 years since they visited the Second Amendment, and they've just left it alone as cities have put in these new gun regulations, uh, you know, pr- banning assault, assault weapons or banning the size of magazines that can be uh, brought into their city or whatever. And so it, they've just stayed out of it for a long time. And then here, the justices voted to take this case um, because what they saw was this could cross the line into the, into the Second Amendment um, because it was regulating what they had ruled 10 years ago, which was a handgun for your defense in a in a house, that's that's your Second Amendment right, uh, as defined so far. So so they uh, New York said New York is fearful, theoretically fearful that Kennedy Justice Kevin Kennedy leaving and Justice Kavanaugh coming on could mean hey we're ready to take on the Second Amendment and expand gun rights and limit peop- limit uh, states' abilities to pass these kind of laws. So they they take away their law and they've now asked the court to say that this is moot like you can't take the take this case and determine whether we should strike down our law when, when it's it gone <laughs> it's gone you can't you you know the remedy would be to for us to get rid of our law but we've already done it the the problem when you look at f- from the supreme court's point of view however 
is one of managing their docket. And a lot of these legal experts that practice in front of the Supreme Court say, hold on a second, do they want to encourage states to pass laws that might be unconstitutional or that they know is unco- are unconstitutional? And then it battles through the courts and it gets to the Supreme Court. And if they fear something, fear a bad ruling, then they take away that law. And therefore, they sort of escape Supreme Court um, review of, of what, whatever it is they're doing. And, and if, you, if you like this gun law in New York City, maybe think about Kansas or, or some conservative state passing a, a law uh, restricting abortion. And, it's a lot, and, and then once it gets to the Supreme Court, they're like, oh, never mind. We're, we're, we're not, we're, we've removed that law, so now you don't need to, to decide on it. And so there's, there's a, there is some, some angle that the justices might be thinking about. We need to stop that kind of behavior. And so we want to hear arguments on this case as to why um, it should be moot and why we shouldn't decide it. So one of the sort of dynamics going on with with the court and and you know whether it's legit or not, I'm I'm curious about your like how you see it as somebody who observes the court, is that we keep on hearing about a five four court that it's a divided court between conservatives and liberals that conservatives have a little bit more sway with Kavanaugh making up a fifth vote, whereas Kennedy, who he replaced, was a more of a swing vote. Is that fair? Is, uh, do, do the justices think along these lines that of uh, like a, there's a block here and a block there, and then everybody competes for, in, in this case, John Roberts' affections, you say? Uh, is, is this, does this undermine, is that true? Is, that, is there this big divide, like a clear-cut divide? And also, does, if so, does that affect the legitimacy of its rulings? If, if you're automatically, you have half the country saying that's illegitimate each time they rule one way or another. Right. Well, I think that uh, it was absolutely clear that that was the case when Justice Kennedy was on the court. A lot of these cases, uh, when people would file the briefs, it would be almost speaking directly to Justice Kennedy because that was they, they knew that there would be four on the ideological left and four justices on the ideological right, and then Kennedy would be in the middle. So definitely at that time. And, and now, that, uh, now that Kavanaugh has joined the court, you can you the left wing of the court almost proves it more than the right wing because they vote together as a block many 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 cases uh, the a vast majority of cases and um last term for example m- some of the 5-4 cases were the liberals the four liberal justices and then one of the conservative justices joining them in fact uh justice samuel alito uh, had never previously joined the liberal wing for a 5-4 decision before this last term. Um, in the case he did it in, he also wrote separately to kind of say, like, the only reason I did this is because I'd like to do something bigger in the future on this issue uh, that goes the other way. Um, but, but they, they you know, so that, that was sort of the story of last term was which conservative justice might join the liberals for for a 5-4 win. And the justices have gone out there and defended themselves during the summer. Um, Sotomayor has said something like this. Uh, Justice Ginsburg has said something. And Chief Justice John Roberts said something where they, they say, um, look, many of our cases are unanimous. We had, you know, 68 cases and 28 of them were unanimous and only 20 of them were 5-4. The, the, the ones that nobody thinks about. <laughs> like, Correct. Right? The, ones, yeah. the ones that make no headlines. You know? Correct. And, and the, the chief justice went out um, in New York the, this last month and he said, 
when people live in a politically polarized environment, they tend to see everything in those terms. And uh, what he said is, quote, that is not how we at the court function, and the results of our cases do not suggest otherwise. So there's an effort to, to, to protect the legitimacy of the court as a non-political institution. And I think Roberts is really key on that because he wants to maintain the credibility of the court. The more political the court looks, the less credibility it might have in the eyes of the public. But it is a political entity. I mean, this goes back to the birth of the republic. I mean, the, you know, we impeached one of the first impeachments in U.S. history was of a Supreme Court justice in the in the early 1800s. And the certainly President Donald Trump made the Supreme Court an issue, providing a list of people who, who whom he said, if there's a vacancy, these are the people I'm going to choose from. Yeah, there was a vacancy. Right. At the time right. There, and, yeah. and, and now the Democrats seem to have picked, you know, picked up on the fact that people do care about the court and they're talking about it in their own campaign and election strategies. So how do they, I mean, and obviously the, there are big issues that affect people's lives, whether it's like whether Obamacare gets overturned. How, I mean, is it just, is it is that like, you know, oh, that's nice, that's a nice sentiment you have, Chief Justice Roberts, but like you actually are political actors? I mean, like how do, how do they reconcile it? They, they must see that they're political actors in this. Would they like to say they're not? But, but, but there, there's no way they can really avoid it, and I'll tell you why. In this Second Amendment case that's, that's up there, um, a group of Democratic senators led by uh, Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island, Democrat from Rhode Island, filed a brief in that case urging them to, 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 to say the case was moot and to, to not rule on it. I mean, they're, they're fearful that there's an expansion of civil Second Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. And so what, what this brief said was the Supreme Court, quote, the Supreme Court is not well and the people know it, um, particularly on the urgent issue of gun control, a nation desperately needs it to heal. So it's kind of urging them to heal uh, their political. um, And White House is one of the people that that constantly bangs the drum about all these 5-4 cases that are, um, when it comes to an issue conservatives care about, have have just case after case after case dozens turned out the Republicans way and and he likes to say you know just just so happens that the 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 exact split is the conservatives on the court go for the Republican policy and um, the you know the the Repu- the Republican senators all fifty three signed on a letter that that sort of chastised this brief and and said that the implication was if you don't dismiss this case. We're going to pack the court. We're going to um, heal it for you. and um, Which got a lot of pushback from the Republican senators, the Republican. Right, party. right. So, the, so, there's, so there's these two sides arguing to the court about how they should be political or not political in this one case. And you've already have um, the Democratic nominees for president being asked about what they're going to do about the Supreme Court. Because even if you take the House, even if you take the Senate, even if you take the White House and Democrats pass a bill, if there's this, this wall on the, on the Supreme Court of conservatives, how do you get around that? And a lot of Democrats still feel that there's illegitimate justices, uh, that Obama's nominee Merrick Garland was um, inappropriately is, blocked. This back. is the seat that Neil Gorsuch took right. that was made available because Anton... Antonin Scalia died. Right, and that, uh, and they have a lot of problems with Justice Kavanaugh because of that. Uh, just a huge, dramatic confirmation process, and all the accusations which he's denied, and um, and that's come back up again. But so there's these, these, these. Uh, every every 
nominee is being asked about what are you going to do? Are you going to restructure the court? Would you add justices? And and so they're going to be right in the middle of the political heat. And and this current term that starts um, on October in October ends in June of 2020. That's when the big cases come down. There's cases on immigration. There's cases on um, on you know all sorts of political hot button. There's a potentially a case on abortion. And if those case, if those decisions come down in June 2020, that's going to be the heat of the presidential election. Such is the fodder of great political theater, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thank you very much for taking us through this. This is going to be a busy time, uh, and I'm glad that you are there watching it for us, and we'll, we'll have you back to talk about some of these bigger cases. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for us here at Political Theater this week. This podcast is produced by the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, D.C. You can catch up to us and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can probably even ask your smart refrigerator uh, where to listen to this podcast. And make sure that you rate us wherever you listen to this podcast. Until the next time, thanks for listening.